high-priced Lambo or high-priced muscle car? Whatever the answer, it looks like the upcoming full-tilt Z06 version of the Chevrolet Corvette is coming to Australia and we have some opinions. Uh, yes, it's time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode 192, Corvette Z06 is coming. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and joining me in this shakedown of Chevy's mid-engine missile are Cars Guide Senior Journalist Richard. Hello. And key contributor Chesto. Howdy. Now, we'll also kick the tyres and slam the doors on a trio of recent entries to the Cars Guide Garage. Uh, Chesto, you're in? Kia Sonic GT Line. Very good. And Richard? Oh, I'm in a Lexus. It's a hybrid. It's the UX250. Very good. And um, I'll round that off with the Subaru Outback. Then we'll dive into your feedback. Now, YouTubers, if you want to plot your own adventure, you can jump ahead courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's hit the start button. So Corvette, I'm saying Z06 because it just sounds more appropriate. Feel free to say Z06 if you want to. But Chesto, um, you've written a story during the week which basically says out of the ashes of um, HSV came GMSV, which is, uh, you know, the, the toy store end of the GM product line. We've got the big Silverado pickup truck already on Australian roads, converted over to right-hand drive. Right. Uh, Corvette, Corvette has been confirmed. Um, and yeah. now you've noticed a cheeky and almost under-the-radar trademark application that has big implications for that Corvette in Australia. Can you give us the, the top line on that, please? You know what? I can and I shall. So you're right, GMSV stands for GM Special Vehicles or General Motors Special Vehicles, and it is the phoenix that rose from the ashes of Holden and HSV. And when those brands left Australia, we did kind of think we might get cut off from some of the cooler products. But of course, the Silverado and the Corvette proved us wrong on that. But more excitingly, on July 13, GMSV and its GM overlords listed a sneaky little trademark application in Australia and New Zealand, actually, for the Corvette, and I'm going to differ from you here, James, the Corvette Z06 nameplate. So that's in the process of being approved in Australia at the moment. And the Z06, of course, is just one of the hypo variants of the Corvette. And it sounds very, very exciting. And it also sounds like we are going to get it in Australia and New Zealand. Unreal. Now, Richard, what do you make? Mm. Oh, you know, it's, a, it, it's, it's too little too late, really. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be ironic if um, it became a big thing in Australia just only a year or so after Holden, you know, closed up shop? Uh, I mean, this is what Holden needed, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago. Uh, they needed a, a decent pickup truck. They needed a, a decent two-door sports car like this to take on Ford with its Mustang and, and its Ranger. Um, look, I look. I love it. I love. I love my my V8s. I also think that this is it, guys. This is this is the last the last chance that you will be able to have uh, to to have a, a full blooded V8 because electric cars are coming, and um, I think this is the this, these we're in the death throes of, of fossil fuels. So well, I reckon roll around in the fossil fuels and enjoy it while you can. It's, it's an interesting point advice. you make because not only that, but it's not even turbocharged. This is mm. going to be a naturally aspirated, um, from what we understand, 5.5-litre mm. uh, V8, yep. and it's derived from the race car that, um, that's been already doing the rounds, the C8R, 
And for viewers on YouTube, we'll have a picture courtesy of Motor Trend who managed to snap a, a shot of that engine in situ in the, re- mm. in the race car. Mm-hmm. So it's old school, you know, yep. it's very highly tuned, but it's an old school engine. So, yeah, it may well be the end of the line. Absolutely. Let me just expand on those specs a little bit there. So, yes, it's expected to be a 5.5-litre V8 uh, under the hood. It should deliver around 450 kilowatts and scream to a 9,000 RPM redline. Now, to put that into perspective, the Corvette C8 that we're still waiting for should make 370 kilowatts and 640 newton metres, so a fair way under. And that thing is supposed to hit 100 kilometres an hour in 2.9 seconds. So, safe to say, the Z... 06 is going to be very, very fast. Well, it's it's the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? Well, it's that's a right. Whole whole bunch more horsepower into it, but it's how how can it put it to the ground and how can fast it make a, a faster time that's is the thing when you're but talking. I, but I also do totally agree with you, Richard, because uh, it's taken so long to get here this damn thing, even oh. in the base model C8, that it is beginning to feel more and more like a dinosaur with every passing day. Like <laughs> we are so quickly embracing uh, electrification that by the time this thing finally gets here, it is going to feel like a relic. Oh, look, well, what are we six, looking at in terms of price? Ah, do we, well, do we think? I, I, can, I can guess. Put it this way: the regular Corvette stretches from one hundred and forty-five thousand to one hundred and sixty thousand, right? Yeah, yeah, if you want to have a convertible version of either, you can add about, I think, from memory, it's about fifteen grand on top of that. Yeah. So one hundred and sixty will top out for the regular Corvette. You would have to think a Z06 would be near enough to two hundred grand. That's fine. I I think there's going to be a carbon addition, is there not, of the coupe um, to to kind of lead lead things off, which is just under 190 grand. Yeah. Um, So there's a 2LT and a 3LT, and there's no difference, as I understand it, in in performance. Power, yeah. Uh, The 2LT and 3LT is things like sportier seats and interior trims Mm. and and all of that stuff, which affects the cost. Yeah. (laughs) But for 200 grand, for 200 grand, that's a lot of car. And considering yeah. that Lamborghini are asking double that for, you know, even something like along the entry lines of a Lamborghini, I reckon it's well worth it. Uh, it's a big, big American muscle car. Um, you know, it's a, it's a race car for the road. And like I said, you know, Europe's, Europe's bringing in laws which will ban, effectively ban petrol and diesel cars from, what, 2035. Yeah. Guys, you've well, got 15 years left, so... Well, the thing, that brings, the thing that brings this car closer to those Italian exotics, Ferrari in particular, is the design of the engine. You know, you, you're talking about more power from a smaller capacity um, engine, and mm. it's the arrangement, it's a flat plane crank, um, and that's what Ferrari has used in its V8s for some time. So where the conrods connect with the crank, they're 180 degrees opposed. So it gives you more power, but the engine's a bit rougher. Whereas in a crossplane crank, you've got 90 degrees and the firing is, the firing order changes and it's smoother. But mm. you get this sound as well as the yes. power. You get this soaring, screaming sound. And um, we'll, we'll, uh, Mr. Pritchard will um, insert some audio and vision for those on YouTube. Chevy's put a teaser out there of what the engine sounds like and you would swear you're listening to a Ferrari. You know what you need, JC? You need a whiteboard so that you can actually draw the crank, the conrods in the background, like Larco. 
in V8. It's, inter- it's interesting because it does make the engine a little less civilized, but it also makes it more powerful. So it's mm. it's not traditional muscle in that sense. Uh, yes. traditional would very much be a cross plane, but um, it sounds incredible. Uh, now, can yeah. I just raise one uh, annoying sticking point? No car seats, no anchor points in the back. No, and no. Is that this? It's that this thing starts in the US. Yeah. At sixty grand. Yes. US. Uh, yeah. It starts in Australia at one hundred and sixty grand, or whatever it was. What did I say? One hundred and forty grand. One hundred and sixty grand. Yeah. That, that to me, that, that's the issue with this car. When it was first announced, it was going to be this absolute cut price supercar, you know, that was going to be mm. incredible, incredible bangs for very few bucks. Sure. But in Australia, it, it's not really that cheap. You know, we, we're, we're nudging 200 plus uh, for the car or 200 for the carbon edition, 200 plus by the time you get it on the road. That, yeah. That's not as cheap as we were expecting. I think where, did, where does that extra cost come in? Well, it's got to be converted, they, hasn't it? It's got to be made yeah. into a right-hand drive car for a start. Yeah, and every, and everyone's got to clip the ticket on the way through, and rightfully so. But it just means that it's not, you know, it's not quite as cost-effective as we, as we were all kind of hyping it up to be initially. No, that that conversion is expensive. I remember when the Camaro was being converted from left-hand drive to right-hand drive. Um, it was a hundred hours of of you know of, of manpower, and that that basically took the price from about fifty thousand dollars to about eighty ninety thousand yeah. dollars. So. It does, and especially the car, you know, like the Corvette, it's going to extrapolate that cost as well. But does um, that make that car less palatable? I, I would argue that it probably does, to be honest. I, I think really? that's, that's what killed the Camaro. There should, should be a home kit that you just do it yourself. Yeah, I don't yeah, think right. it's you know, a just... like, like a caterer build it yourself at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I did I did a left-hand drive to right-hand drive conversion on my car. Yeah, but that, my, that used a couple of old pulleys and a chain. Pretty much. Where you just had it going across the engine. It was a 1951 Ford. And, and it was, um, it's very easy to convert. It was basically you sitting in the passenger seat making engine sounds with your mouth. <laughs> pretty but, much. We just, just got a right-hand drive dash off an Australian-built car and swapped it over. We, the only problem that we had was getting the um, steering column to clear uh, the exhaust manifold, but that was fine. We just did a bit of shaving there. Yeah, right. So, what did you do? A bit of personal grooming whilst yes. you were bit doing a bit of manscaping, bit of manscaping. Well, well yeah. no, you know, it's yeah. interesting because with the I mean, Chesto, you, you, you and Richard made the point that electric's coming, all of this seems like uh, dinosaur territory. But with electric cars, the difference in the powertrain in those cars means that the, the mm. left to right for steering wheels is going to be potentially far easier. Yes, yes. Fact, you, you could have a model where you just move the wheel, yes, within the car across the other side. So those mm. kinds of things may fr- uh, free up availability on, on certain models in time. Yeah, absolutely. Why has there never been a centre steering wheel? Well, there has. There has, yeah. Has yeah, it? Um, yeah, McLaren F1. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, in a, in a real car. The, the yeah, no, there have been others. I want and to then you have two seats either side of you. So and then worldwide. Is that a concept, a, a mid-seat concept? Yes. I think, was it Scimitar? I think had three across the front. I don't know where the wheel was, but it, it has been done before. Wouldn't that uh, solve all the problems? It's not super practical. Maybe. <laughs> I know Winton was on the bat. Um, oh, yes. They had, passed, they had the Scimitar yes. turbo. That was, that, was, that, was, that was at the Winton Centro. It was a, it's Winton. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. yes, that was a great model. Not so, a big seller, much like the Camaro. I'm going to drag you back to Corvette for a moment yeah. because the, the other thing that kind of on the electric thing is that what what an EV powertrain does is totally democratise the idea of acceleration, idea of performance. Yeah. It has forced yeah. us 
to totally yep. reconsider what cut price performance looks like. And if anyone mm. has ever driven the, the Tesla Model S performance, sorry, Model 3 performance, yeah. that is an unbelievable amount of straight line mm. speed for really not totally. a huge money. So those things as well put cars like the, the Corvette in, into the crosshairs because, yeah. you know, what you're really paying for there is lightning quick acceleration. And frankly, that just doesn't cost as much as it used to. Well, can, I, can I also point out that what an EV car does, it inserts a tube into your soul and it sucks out every bit of passion and, and enthusiasm <laughs> out of the driving experience. <laughs> I used to feel that way, Richie, but I've, come, I've slowly come around to the idea of, uh, of EV performance. I, well, I, mostly it, because it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, only moments ago, we've listened to that soaring engine yeah. noise from, from this V8, and it is really hairs on the back of the neck stuff. Ooh. That is just not a factor with an EV. Yeah. However, yes. to your point, Chesto, with the Model 3 performance, my... Um, uh, threshold for a really fast car is when acceleration narrows your field of vision. Yeah. Where you plant your foot and bingo, you, your peripheral vision kind of disappears and all you can see is the vanishing point up ahead of you. And just the um, blue and red flashing lights in yeah. your... In the uh, rearview mirror. In the rearview mirror, yeah, yeah, yeah. That car does it. It is so breathtakingly quick. Oh, that, um, hey, that's yeah. another point though, Richie, you raised perfectly because I, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old, right? But there, yeah, there we was all a are. when yeah, I one minute at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I absolutely lusted after cars like the Corvette and others. And, and look, I still do. Don't get me wrong. But I have found now in in Victoria and certainly more recently in Sydney, where they've started removing signage for speed cameras, etc. All when you get into one of those cars now, all I end up doing is like feathering the throttle and have my and have my eyes glued to the speedometer the entire yeah. time. And talk about your soul leaving your body. That is a fairly awful driving experience. <laughs> Yeah, wow. it is. I mean, just take the number plates off and then you can drive as fast as you like. I mean, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting yeah. that at all. Don't oh, do great that. That's a great idea. As long as you're driving something uh, understated, you know, like a Corvette. Yeah, the only one in Australia. Yeah, well, they won't, they won't track you down. We're still, we are still led to believe that the, the uh, entry point Corvette, your standard 2LT or 3LT Corvette, will be here sometime this year, whether or not Absolutely. COVID has, has thrown a spanner into those works um, remains to be seen. But this will be a 2023 model, Chesto, is that right? Which That's means right. It, it would be announced or released in the States in 2022. Yep. So mm. we wouldn't see it until a fair way into 2022 for sure. Well, is, mate, that, if, is that fair? If Corvette, if basic Corvette timing is anything to, to judge by, we won't see it in this country until about 2075. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. We could see it as early as the beginning of 2023, yeah. Can I just ask as well, will the same Gronks who put oh. a Chevy badge on their Commodore now put a Holden badge on their Corvette? <laughs> because, frankly, I hope you're happy now. <laughs> well, Tom, Tom will tell. That'll be one yeah. to watch. Uh, and we'll post right. that. And if you're watching this mm. on YouTube, we'll post Richard's address. <laughs> if you are one of those quoting quote grogs, please feel free to pop around. Chesto, <laughs> is it you that every time drives past my house honks? Often, yeah, yeah. Is that you? But I just drive around honking. And at night time, it's quieter. <laughs> it's so you. Because at 11, about 11.30 at night, it goes, <laughs> but during the, during the day, it goes, boop, 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 boop. But I, I, like, I like to feel like I'm in a ticket take parade for everybody. Like, oh, I'm honking. Well, the last one is where the um, Chesto is driving the tuck truck on the night, yeah. and it's got the cucaracha. Anyway, it could be great to hear what people make of this whole thing 
Is it a dinosaur? Is it worth the money? Cheap muscle car, half price exotic sports car. Yeah. Where do you sit? Is it relevant? Is electric going to make all of this seem foolish within five minutes? Um, it would be great to get your feedback on this discussion. But I would like great. to know quite simply, excited, yes or no? Does it, yeah. does, it, yeah. Corvette, yeah. does it Does it get the juices flowing or not? Mm. Well, put it this way, Chesto, part of the reason we're speaking about it is because your news story was top of the pops. You know, during mm. the week, a lot of people clicked on the story and, yeah. and uh, that's why we thought it would be a good topic to discuss. So there's, there's certainly an appetite out there to know more. Yeah, Whether absolutely. or not that translates into, you know, people actually buying the thing is another story, I suppose. Mm. Time will tell that. Time will tell. All right. Well, we'll move on. Thank you. And we will move on to our garage. And Richard, we'll start with you. The car that you've been driving, it's not a naturally aspirated V8. It's not derived from a racing car. No. You've been living with it for some time. And I've just been slagging off electric vehicles and I'm about to sing its praises. It's the Lexus UX. It means it's the smallest SUV that Lexus make. And it's the 250H, which is which is a hybrid version of it. Um, and I've just stepped out of the 200, which is the straight petrol version of the same car. And um, yeah, look, now I'm now I'm in the hybrid version, and it makes so much more sense than 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 a petrol pure petrol version of this car, especially uh, for what I do, which is mainly city driving. Um, man, the fuel economy is excellent. It's 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 yeah. teetering around about four liters per hundred, which is which is excellent the the straight petrol was sort of doing double that um so look, there's a fuel saving to be had there um but it's what i love about it, most of it it's it's practical even for its size uh, but it's comfortable um i've got two cars so I'm, I'm testing at the moment that are sitting out the front of the house there's the t-max x-terrain and there's the lexus and we've been wow. taking the lexus each time just because i love driving the d-max because it's like driving a tonka truck and it's fun and um, but if I just want to get in the car to go to the shops and I don't want any fuss, I just want to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, I get straight into the Lexus and the heat seat heaters are on from before, so it knows that I want them on again. Um, and it's just it's just such a cushy little SUV. I'm Isn't that an interesting situation where often at the end of a comparison test you say, Oh right, if it was your money, which one would you take home? But there's a real graphic yeah. example <laughs> yeah. of, you know, yeah. I've got to use this one day to day, what am I gonna get into? And it's that. That's yeah, it. Look, funny, isn't it? Especially when if, if you're on a Comparo that involves like a freeway drive, often yes. the car that technically wins the Comparo is yeah. the car nobody wants to drive home. Well, that's yeah. all, but, but I must say that in, in recent years, we've been leaving that window for people consuming the comparisons. We've, we're mm. trying to call out the attributes that are, that are good in certain circumstances. And you can still make your own conclusion in terms of what suits your, you know, your life um, and your world. So interesting though. Yeah, one of the things I like about it, just in terms of design, is that you know I love the '50s cars, and this this UX has actually got fins. So if you're watching on um, YouTube at the moment, you'll you'll see some images that I took um, just the other day where the tail lights actually are finned, and they actually stick out quite far. And oh. I think that's a really cool little design feature of you know what is just a you know an everyday you know, shopping center car. Unreal. Now, SUV. Question, question without notice, Richard. Do you know if the powertrain is the same as, say, you know, Corolla or Prius or, or you know, battery and motor and stuff? Is it common with other Lexus and Toyota products? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. So, I mean, that's there. There are variations in like you, you go from the Kluger, which has got two motors on the front axle and one motor on the rear axle, and then you've got Camry, and then you've got Rav, and then you've got you know, Corolla, and their setups are a little bit different depending on the car. 
but being a Lexus, it is a Toyota, so they use exactly the same hybrid systems. And, you know, Toyota are the masters of it. They've been doing hybrids since 1997 when the Prius first came out. And you can really tell. You get into a, a hybrid from another car brand, you can you can see that they're just a little bit behind in terms of that seamless, you know, switch from motor to engine. So, yeah, no, it's been great. Four mm. litres is pretty great. Um, you know, four litres yeah. 100 is yeah. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. mm. that's, that's it for that one, Richard? That's it for that. Thank you, Richie. Very good. Very good. Now, Chesto, we will move to your good self. You've been yep. in a Kia, and it starts with an S and ends with Nick. Tell us about it, please. It is the Kia Stonic, which is the tiny bite-sized came in a cereal box SUV from Kia. I'm going to start with fuel economy, actually, because I haven't been that impressed by it, and it's relevant to Richie. So I, mm. I've been averaging 8.8. Um, right. albeit in, in predominantly city driving, but for yep. a car that tiny, when you think what Richie's getting out of his Lexus, and just for the viewer's sake, Richard and I live, I could pr- pretty much pick up my Stonic, throw it, and hit Richie's Yeah, head. I can see yeah. Chesto. He's yeah. in his yeah. window. There he is. Hello, yeah. mate. Yes. Back in, back in the day, you used to share newspapers too, didn't you? One That's right. Really delivered and then you'd just run up the road. And yeah, exactly. There's no, yeah. no point getting to no, so, exactly. so my little tiny key is using about twice the fuel of Richie's Lexus at the moment. Uh, look, it's not a terrible number, but it's not overly impressive. Now, the GT line is a top spec in the Stonic family. It's about 30-odd grand, um, and it is interesting because it is powered by uh, the smallest and yet most powerful engine, a little one-litre three-cylinder engine. It makes 74 kilowatts and 172 newton metres, which is more torque than the 1.4-litre petrol used in the lesser models. And I'm usually a really big fan of three-cell engines. I just find they're kind of fun and, and sort of roarty and they make a cool noise. But I'm not a huge fan of this one, to be honest. It, it, maybe it's something to do with the insulation surrounding it, but it just doesn't feel like a relaxed and, and calming drive experience. It feels a bit thrashing. You can hear everything working more than you perhaps like to. And as a result, it, it's not probably not the smoothest drive experience ever. And it's one of those situations where I feel like you might actually be better off with the smaller, sorry, the bigger but less powerful 1.4 might deliver a smoother drive experience, but I haven't driven it, so I can't swear to that on a stack of Bibles. But look, outside of that, it's key, it's through and through. It, it's clever. Yeah. I actually think if, and I'll throw a photo of it up in just a moment, perhaps it's already there through the magic of the interwebs, but it is a pretty tough looking little small SUV. Like it's got an aggressive kind of muscular front end with this kind of cool grill design. So it's a cool looking thing. It's clever package. It's got a lot of equipment for the money and it's got a killer warranty. So yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in the market for, for something in that size, it's probably not a bad one to look at, but I would at least drive the other engine combinations to see which one suits you. That's anymore. a great idea. Great point. Yeah. I, I've driven the, uh, yeah, the regular four cylinder and that, that three cylinders, the, the drivetrain to get a powertrain to go for though, Tesco. Oh, yeah. Like it's like compared, compared to the, you know, the regular four cylinder, which it just feels so underpowered and so sluggish. You get into that three-cylinder, and it's like I'm in a race car. <laughs> like it does feel completely, completely yeah. different. So it's just little that. highly strung triples with the turbo. They they do surprise you, don't they? It yeah, awesome. Like I, I spent some time in a Puma recently. That was um, that was really fun. Put a smile on my face every time I drove it. It was really fun and dynamic and roarty and loud and engaging. Yeah. I'm just not getting those same yep. vibes from the, from this one. Although some of that might be the fact that I haven't left my house in about. <laughs> you have just been driving it up and down the hallway, really, yeah. haven't you? From, to the kitchen, to the bathroom. I've just been revving it out the front. So perhaps my goodwill is uh, evaporated. I don't know. That, that's actually how I learned to drive in my brother's car. Reverse it across the nature strip. 
Yeah. I actually learned to drive manual uh, in an old yeah. my mum's old Mitsubishi Colt in our little Colt attack driveway. There you go. So I slipped the clutch accidentally and drove straight into the pylon that separated the garage. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> that was the end of my home. How, how did you work your way around that? Did you come up with a quick uh, kind of fix, a quick uh, story to I, cover? I, no, I, you just don't. Because I should point out too, they were also let's let's just say they were unauthorized driving lessons from a man who was far too young, so <laughs> it wasn't a good look across the board, mate. Oh, your driving mentor. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's good. Uh, all done there, Chesto. All done, mate. All done. Super. All right. Um, I'll just finish it off with Subaru Outback Touring. So it's a mm. two and a half liter petrol flat six and talk about naturally aspirated this one doesn't have a turbo so it's 138 kilowatts 245 newton meters but that peak torque is at 3400 rpm so you used to you, you get spoiled you're used to it being about 1500 or even less um this is 3400 cvt all-wheel drive uh 47 790 so before you put it on the road and the pluses for that car, and like you guys, um, for people overseas, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, South Australia, as we record this, are in COVID lockdown. So there hasn't been enormous scope to drive it a long way, but I've found it really comfortable. It's, it's on 18 inch uh, rims, but it's still comfy. The high ground clearance um, gives it that SUV look and ability actually, but it still drives like a car, which, which I like. Um, it's nicely put together. It's built in Japan. It's, uh, it's obviously a quality object. It can now, in its latest iteration, tow two tonnes, where it was 1,500 before, so it's up 500 kegs, which is pretty good. Um, great safety. Subaru really does a, a terrific job on active and passive safety tech. It's loaded with that. And this touring model, at less than 50K, you get things like heated front and the rear outer seats are heated, which is really nice. LED headlights, the partial leather, um, auto tailgate, power seats, blah, blah, blah. And the dash layout is way better than the XV that I was in with that multi-dash tiered thing that, that, that Subaru hangs on to in some models. This is a, a much sleeker single screen and it looks better. I haven't had a hell of a lot of chance to, to, to play with it. Um, there's lots of cargo space. It's, it's got a lot going for it. The um, couple of little niggles that I found, it's got that, um, when you press the indicator, it's like an old school BMW. It's like an electric um, activation of the indicator. So if you're in a long bend and you want to turn the indicator off early, you can easily overreach and turn the left one on and then you put the right one back <laughs> yeah. on. And it just grinds my gears like a dodgy clutch, you know. it's I, I yeah. really hate that. Um, but um, it's smooth, but it is missing that mid-range turbo punch. You know, you, you wait yeah. for it to – you get so spoiled by these turbos. Um, the CVT is okay. I know others have, have had a bit of a go at it, but I'm not a CVT fan, but as they go, this one seems okay. And it has that very Subaru look, that kind of edgy, quiet, angular thing. Mm. It's, it's not my cup of tea, um, but it, it's very characteristic. You're not going to um, miss it for anything else than a, than a Subaru. And it's got the least impressive engine bay in the history of engine bays. Um, there'll be a picture up for people on YouTube. It looks like something I would put together with uh, bits and pieces at the back of the shed, fed income. Um, um, but, a, but a flat six, though. I mean, like, is, uh, it, is it a 911 just with the engine in the front, JC? Uh, no. And, um, you know, horizontally opposed, some might say 180 degree V6, mm. um, but it uh, looks, if you wanted to, if you're impressing your friends with your new Subaru Outback <laughs> and you crack open the bonnet, they're, they're not going to be... 
<laughs> it just looks quite agricultural. It's funny. In the era of styling and, and designing everything such that your engine looks, um, you know, very smooth and cool. It, but at the same, this opens up a question, and I'd uh-huh. like to ask our, you know, our listeners and, yep. and viewers this. I mean, what do people think of those big Batman, you know, chest uh, engine covers. Oh right, 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 do, right. Do people want to see? Do people want to see its guts, or do do you want to see? Do you want to see a big bit, bit of plastic over the I engine? Don't know. It, it's a brand issue, isn't it? Really, mm. you know, because Subaru is owning up and saying, "Here it is. Here's the this engine. is an engine. You know, this is what yeah. it is." Yes. Um, whereas others may smooth it over and put a, a, a dressing on it, a styling yes. to it, yes. so that uh, the brand comes off as a little more polished, a little more you know premium or whatever it might be. So. Yeah, you either respect their honesty or just wonder at what they've kind of done under that hood. <laughs> Maybe it's designed so that you can get in there and do a few maintenance things, take a few, no, no, you know, that's what replace, I replace yeah. the water water pump. Easy access yeah. to the engine. That's the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it could be. But, oh, look, typically those plastic covers just pop off. Like, pop off, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. They do. Good frisbees. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that, yeah. that's there are my thoughts for what it's worth. Now, we'll move, people, ugh, speaking of people's thoughts, we'll move to feedback. Um, and last week we were talking about the Jimny, basically saying, what is it about the Jimny um, that sends people into a frenzy? Mm. And we had a lot of great feedback. Uh, Graham Lang loves his new Jimny. He uses it around town, easy to park, fine on the motorway, carts his family of four around. So he uses it as a family truckster. And Hammer agreed, loves the Jimny, so glad it's selling well, etc. etc. And David Burt, our mate Bertie, got very mm. poetic. I, I think I'll read out verbatim uh, mm. what he had to say. One of the complaints of modern cars is the complexity and integration of everything. The whole connection with the energy driving the vehicle is lost. I think that's why the Jimny has appeal. The apparent simplicity, just throw in the whiff of a leaking rocker cover gasket or heater hose weep and you have the complete package. I think he's come very close to nailing it. He's very right. And this is what you're going to see in the future. We're going to see a car come out that is just a steering wheel and wheels and an engine. I reckon it's going to be the equivalent of vinyl. It's just going to be an analog car. Right. And I reckon with, with the way things are going all whiz-bang electric, um, yeah. there's going to be a certain type of buyer who just wants an old-school car, might see yeah. an actual Model T. My grandfather, you've ever sounded, Richard. Whiz back <laughs> <in the past. laughs> Everything will be tickety boo. <laughs> it's a bit like computer software, though, isn't it? Every yes. piece of computer software we mm. use, you know that there are 50,000 things that it can do that you yes. never use. Yeah, well, that's it. You stick to the two or three or four that you need to use every day. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's, over, it's overkill in a way. Well, there's a lot of people with just regular analog watches, you know, when we've got phones. And, and these days, you can even get a digital watch. Yes, as you well. can with a calculator. I know I've yes. seen that on your wrist too. Oh, well, I have. I have. I did a, did a shopping list on it. The Casio, I think. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, all right. Okay. So that was good. So Bertie summed it up really nicely. And then Richard Neal said, to think for less money than a Suzuki Jimny with bare bones options, you can get the 2021 Haval H6 4x4 with all the options. Mm-hmm. Um, and Richard, I know that you were our person to to go into battle with the Haval H6. What yep. do you make of that in terms uh, of a Jimny and you can get this bigger vehicle and, and all of that? Yeah, so the, the H6 is kind of the opposite to the Jimny because it doesn't feel bare bones at all. A H6 is really affordable. It's because about $30,000, which undercuts like an MGHS by about three or four or 10 grand, depending on which one you get. 
but it's loaded with technology. It's like a really plush cabin. It feels really refined. So you can do an affordable car um, that does look plush and feels good. So it's like saying, oh, you know, yeah. it's funny yeah. people are spending so much on a 911 where for half the price you could buy a RAV4 <laughs> hybrid. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, it's just, that is not a fair comparison. Price, hence the price. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, I mean, how much is the Jimny though? Because I what they they retail for what 30, 30 I think they started about thirty five, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So you can get a HS Premium, which is the Integrate H six, for about thirty thousand nine ninety. Right. Yes, but again, like you know, it's like that, again, that's like saying you know, people are spending eight hundred dollars on a bottle of Grange. Don't they know you can buy a box of wine for ten dollars <laughs> or a good no, for five? But the H six is, yeah. is great. It's well, great. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's really but good. There's Graham Lang, you know, carting his family yeah. of four around in his Jimny. So uh, you know, he's someone that you could say, but you could have the Herbal H six, and it's you could. This and but there's nothing that. wrong with the Herbal. I'm, I'm not saying that, but people aren't buying the Jimny because it's no. you know no, it's uh, safe. It's They're not buying it because it's true. Know, buying it because true. it's got a certain cool factor that that the others we don't have. I, I I do I do like the Jimny. I think I think they're awesome. Um, I, oh, like I to drive them. on Suzuki's. Um, yeah. But um, that's a story for another day. No, I think it's cute, but I think there's a bit of nostalgia going on there. Um, now, as you were doing your learning, Richard, I'm sure spare parts sales um, at Suzuki dealers around your area went through the roof. So, <laughs> oh, you know, absolutely. Was, we had a Suzuki Vitara and we, it had yeah. hot pink cat footprints across uh, the bonnet. We, Mum got those decals. So no, that was when you painted the cat. That was right, yeah, and it walked across the, across the bonnet. So it was embarrassing enough with L plates on a Suzuki Vitara, let alone with these decals. Was, um, just a moment here, just in the interest of getting everything accurate, the Suzuki Jimny starts at twenty eight four ninety for the main. Oh, does it? Okay. Yep. Twenty nine nine ninety for the order. Fine, thank you, Chester. That is I don't good. think it's good value. Not for that. It should be less. It should be nineteen nine ninety. But what's how many five? How many ANCAP stars it have? What, is, what do you get with it? It's a tiny car. It's, yeah. it's what the market. Uh, it's market forces there, and people mm. are lining up to buy it. Yeah, I and there's a queue out the door so much so they've just introduced a new cheaper model to try and uh, alleviate yeah. some of the wait times. In, in in Europe, I think it was um, it's a it's an like commercial vehicle because they took the receipts out. But um, yeah. whether that one comes here, we'll see. Ooh, that'd be good. That was mainly around emissions. I think. But I think uh, there's about a year a year's waiting list on the Jimny at the moment, isn't there? So yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's proven popular somewhere. Mate, well, well, you, I don't. I, I think it's a cool. This is just me ranting for a moment, but I've had this rant before. Mm. Bear with me. I think it's a cool car, the Jimny. I get the appeal. It's funky. It's retro. It is just like oozes a certain cool factor. And as you say, it sort of harks back to a simpler day of motoring. But, mate, if you were buying a Jimny and you live in the city and you're not mm. actually into off-roading anywhere, then, then I, I think you're mad because it is a tough car to live with in town. <laughs> like, well, I, I remember when you were testing yours, Chester, you hated it. Yeah. I hate it in the city. I understood it's a okay, yeah, yeah. But it's, it was like the old Wrangler, which used to drive like a house brick. And yeah. I, I used to live in Newtown and Erskineville. I'd see people living in this tiny car, this tiny street, sorry, <clears throat> with this massive Wrangler. And every time you went around the corner, it was like the Austin Powers scene. Yes. <laughs> it's just madness to me. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I'll put you in touch with Graham Lang, who happily, you know, ferries his family of four around in his. Uh, I reckon okay. Graham goes off-roading. Graham, do you go off-roading? Tell us if I, I think you do some off-roading. That's got to be part okay. of it. Yeah, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. Well, I in like terms Graham. of other variants, Pora the more Exploradora 
uh, says rather than a five door, because there's a five door in the works, uh, mm. Jimmy, I'd rather see a Rubicon kind of version that comes from the factory lift, better suspension, rock sliders, bigger axles, steel rims, yeah. 30 inch tires, and a lower gear ratio. Now that's that, something to get behind. That would be something. Yeah. What, the chimney? A chimney? Yeah, like a, a full on tough chimney. Yeah, that'd be cool. Exactly. And there are a couple of a couple out there, actually, aftermarket sort of accessorized yeah, yeah. chimneys that look amazing. Um, you're not sure what it does to your it, warranty. He wants it out of the factory with full warranty and all of that. Including one motoring journal who's turned his into a sort of mini uh, G-Wagon. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Right. 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 All right. Well, which, which, is, which is actually a bit like that meme where you say, you know, ordered online and this turned up, ordered a G-Wagon online. <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite the same. <laughs> That's right. Do you know, That's I reckon right. chimneys are going to be classics. Like in, in, I mean, they already are, but I think if you're talking about future classic cars, I reckon that current, uh, generation to me, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. All right. So it's like drain, drain the fluids, have it hermetically sealed, put yes. it away, open yes. it up again in 25 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that pine lime splice color one, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. All right, well, that's that's an action plan right there. Yeah, um, uh, Remus King of Rome five says, Jimny, no, Lada, Neva, yes. Mm. Um, so you guys no. are with the Lada, Neva, Dave Birdie. Bertie came in with the Peter Brock special. And I've got to correct Bertie there because it was actually a Lada Samara Deluxe by Brock. So when Peter Brock was kind of financially in a tough spot, having mm. split with Holden, and he was um, going off the rails a little bit uh, in terms of his devotion to, yes. to certain things. He had an only fans, didn't he, he at one he, point? He, he didn't. He, um, he needed some throughput in mm. the factory. And mm. Lada was in the Australian market, so he did a Brock Lada Samara. And I'm mm. old enough to have driven that as a new car, as a journal. And if people ask me what what is a truly, you know, there aren't any bad cars anymore. Mm. One of the ones I go back to is that. Um, yeah. It sort of disassembled itself as you drove it. Even though <laughs> it had, had gone over it and spanned everything and made sure that everything was as tight as it could be, it was determined to come apart. Yeah. Parts of the car just detached <laughs> as, as you were driving. It was terrible. But um, Remus came back at Birdie and said, I fell in love with the Miva as a young man in the 70s. It never went away. Never owned one, though. Russian friends warned me off. So. Yeah. I had a mate who had one. And uh, the number of times I got phone calls from him asking him to pick him up because he'd broken down was in, right. uh, basically his car right. was my car because I was <laughs> constantly driving him to mechanics workshops to get it fixed. Yeah. 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 Well, mm. Now, changing the subject, because we did touch on uh, electric vehicles, and just to finish off the feedback, Grubblin 74, I think the next evolution for EVs is auto charging, hashtag, so branding this. So Grubblin 74 now owns auto charging. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you get home and park over a strip or a mat and your EV start charging. And he's absolutely right. That it's is already the happening. Next, that is, that is the next drive. It's, yeah. So he's, he's possibly a little late to the party. Yes. But um, TGV, the very fast train, exposed his technical knowledge here by coming back at Grunland and saying, most homes don't have 100 amp supply, let alone the ability for 7.2 kilowatt hour charge converter. And what happens if you have, let's say, three vehicles that are mm. all battery electric, mm. good luck trying to charge all three. Simply put, the current infrastructure is not there right now and probably never will be. Ooh, the yeah. solution is hydrogen, but until hydrogen can be made from renewable, uh, a renewable source, and also a new compression method found for safety, it's also way off. 
internal combustion will be around here for a while to come. And even though that is a bad thing, it's sadly the right thing. What do you guys make of that? Oh, jeez. Two things I'd say. One, one about the driving, the, the charging mats. Like, So the premium brands are, are doing it at the moment and, and yep. have either launched it overseas or are getting very close to it. So brands like Audi, for example. I don't really get the appeal of that. I, to me, I, it's, I don't find the idea of plugging something in all that time consuming. Well, it is, it is mm. identifying the plug-in as a pain point. Yeah. And trying to eradicate that. But yeah, people are just reluctant to do it because it's a pain in the backside. I guess I just don't reckon, because we spend so much time refueling cars, I, I just don't see that action as that much of a pain point. That's my personal view. But, it, but in answer to, to his question, look, I agree. I, I think long-term green hydrogen certainly makes the most sense as a yeah. uh, as a fuel if, the, if, if we could overnight for example switch australia's uh petrol stations to hydrogen stations mm. then it would be the most seamless transfer to a new technology possibly in the history of the world so that okay. does make sense but i do feel like it is some way off i mean totally because with a hydrogen electric you know a, a fuel cell vehicle you've got that zero emissions mm. uh, tailpipe emissions output and you don't have to carry a massive battery. No. The tank for hydrogen in a, in a fuel cell car is tiny. So mm. you've got that lighter weight yep. with all of that fuel and you can just plug in and fuel it up. And, and in fact, um, our own Tom White, who, who looks after our EV guide, um, is seeing it more as your heavy vehicle solution. So yeah, you will so be. Most people are like a diesel replacement for, for heavy yeah. trucking and all that as well. Yeah, because yeah, the, thing- like, the one thing that battery electric can't solve is uh, long distance freight, and that's where hydrogen could easily fill that void. That, that, there's two counter arguments at play. One is which that everybody has access to their own power station. Everybody has a power point at home they can put their car into, so that infrastructure already exists. But the counter to that is that for a country like Australia, and if you want to do properly long distance driving, hydrogen really is the only answer. It takes about five minutes to refuel a tank and you'll get, a, in most vehicles, you get another six or 700 Ks in range, stop 700 Ks later and refuel again. So essentially it means you could drive from our house in Sydney to Brisbane, a 10 hour drive and stop for five minutes along the way, which, yeah. which you would be stopping for anyway, right? Yeah. Um, so long distance, it does. My, my argument is that it does seem to make the most sense. Yeah. It I mean, absolutely does. Stopping it unless you have powerful internal organs like Richard, which means you don't have to stop uh, oh. ever. I've ever. been, I've, I've held on for 48 hours once <laughs> and that was during a, 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 a sort of a transcontinental crossing. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. It was in the Guinness but, Book, I think, for a while. It was, it was. Well, then that was, that was, well, that's, I had a Guinness Book on me. And um, and that was it, it was all over it actually all over the Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, okay, um, let's move but on. <laughs> lucky, there's a lot of pages. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it is. It's a very interesting mm. one. Hydrogen to me seems to have huge potential, but it does. You know, you think about the fact that Honda has cancelled the Clarity. It was on sale in the US and other markets, and they've said, "No, nah, we've had enough," and so they've stopped producing the Clarity. Yeah, but what does um, Honda it, know? You know. <laughs> It feels like a bit of a turning point on hydrogen. Will it go one way or the other right now? So, Can I raise one more small point on hydrogen? Yeah, yeah. The, the other beautiful are thing. Are you working for the Hydrogen Board of Australia? No, 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 no. You no. are. I'm fascinated by this because Australia really has an opportunity to become like like a Saudi Arabia of, of hydrogen production. We, we could be yes. an, an absolute world leader in producing. Where is it, though? Where do you get the hydrogen from, Chester? So generally speaking, there's there's the, the green and the non-green way of making it. So predominantly, most hydrogen mm. is produced by gas, which is a very inefficient 
in terms of um, emissions Mm -hmm. way of producing hydrogen, but you can also draw it from any form of electricity, including solar. So the argument is that if you you build these vast solar farms, some of which already exist, and convert them into hydrogen manufacturing facilities, then you could be a a world leader in the export of green hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Anyway... This message brought to you by Australia's Hydrogen. <laughs> you know, on, on that subject, you know what I love is the pictures I've seen of you know, a cow cocky who's got the farm, he's got a few sheep grazing yes. among the solar panels right, yeah. and the um, yeah. the wind turbines. Yes. So turning, turning their plot into a, a triple threat. Yes. And he was, uh, I saw that same story, James. He was arguing actually that it's better for the grass because the solar yes. panels. Uh, attract dew and, and water overnight, which then feeds down into the grass. Unreal. What about what about covering the sheep with solar panels? Solar panels. Electric yeah. sheep. Do farmers dream of electric sheep? Well, well what That's about what some kind of genetic fix where they actually grow wool that is able to generate electricity? Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah. you don't even have to feed them. But forget sheep. Right. What about what about cars being fitted with solar panels? Does that does that feel like a bit surface, of surface area is not big enough? Surface is not big enough. What, I don't think our cell unless a big solar enough. array folded out of the top of you. Yeah, but you know, like Hyundai's doing it. Hyundai has cars with solar panel roofs, etc. But I, I just mm. don't see the the purpose there. It sounds like a lot of expense, but not a lot of power. I don't think that that's right. I think the photovoltaic cells or whatever people out there will know more than I do for sure. Mm. Um, just don't have enough grunt. To be yeah. able to make much of an impact on on a car's battery, you know, electric car battery. This has yeah. been deep. Thank you. We've covered everything. Guys. <laughs> All right. Well, look, it's a good point to say that we've reached. The Are we finished? Line. Are we out? Yeah. And I want to I want to say thank right, you, Chesto, right. and and thank, thank you, Chesto, and thank you, Richard. Thank you. Um, thank you. And thanks to our big Kahuna, uh, snuggler in residence and Ooh. director of salad dressings, Mr. Pritchard for his supreme handiwork on the sliders and buttons. Uh, Today he's wearing a T-shirt saying, skilled enough to take it apart, patient enough to put it back together, and smart enough to hide the extra parts when I'm done. Um, (laughs) He's also wearing French fry pants and DIY IKEA boots. Amazing. Um, Jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. Yes. If not, if Six. not, Six let stars. us have it. Uh, let us have it if not. As we always say, it's okay to learn. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, we've mentioned a few times during today's podcast, but uh, let me put it on the record. I do not like synthetic leather trim in cars, and that's vinyl. Oh, dear Lord.